going to the book of Ezra in the Old Testament. The book of Ezra. Uh, the book of Ezra and Nehemiah both is, uh, are two companion books that have it's got some powerful stuff in it. And um, a lot of it can relate to us today with what God is trying to do through His church today. And I, some of the things that Brother Michael spoke a few minutes ago and what he was given, um, <laughs> some things, man, it just kind of st- stirred me because um, he didn't know what I'm going to be preaching about and he didn't know what we were going to be talking about uh, after the message. But uh, but God knows everything. Amen? Book of Ezra, the first chapter, we're going to read verses 2 through 4. Hallelujah. The book of Ezra, chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. If you don't have your Bibles, it should be on the screen behind me. Uh, and I um, I don't want to uh, uh, confuse you in any way, so uh, I am um, I am reading my reading from the um, uh, the English Standard Version. So some of them, the words might be a little bit different from uh, the translation that you have. The book of Ezra, chapter 1, beginning at verse 2. I'm going to read down through verse 4. Thus says Cyrus, king of Persia, The Lord, the God of heaven, has given me all the kingdoms of the earth, and he hath charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in Judah. Can anybody, let me stop right there. Can anybody just tell me right off, what does the name Judah mean? Somebody said it, I think. Praise. The name Judah, every old uh, Hebrew word, they, they just didn't give those people names just to be picking a name out of it. But every one of them was, was ordained by God, and they was all given names for reason. And Judah in Hebrew means praise. Anytime you see the word Judah, automatically I want you to think about praise because that's what it is. It means praise. So, it said, um, and let me continue, it said that he had charged me to build him a house at Jerusalem, which is in praise. Whoever is among you of all his people, may his God be with him, and let him go up to Jerusalem, which is in praise, and read and rebuild the house of the Lord, the God of Israel. He is the God who is in Jerusalem. And let each survivor... Now, your Bible and the Scripture up here uh, 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 says, and he which rem- whoever remaineth, but let each survivor in whatever place he sojourns be assisted by the men of his place with silver and gold, with his goods and with his beast, besides free will offerings for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. And I want to use for a text from that the fourth verse, Ezra 1 and 4, and let each survivor in whatever place uh, he sojourns be assisted by the men of of his place with silver and gold, with goods and with beasts, besides free will offering for the house of God that is in Jerusalem. Let us pray. 
Lord, as we come to you on today, we thank you and we praise you for allowing us to come together. Father, I believe you've ordained this service today. I believe you're ordained for everybody that's here to be here today. I do not believe one person is here out of happenstance or chance. But I believe, God, that you've ordained this service. And I know as long as eternity is long, there never will begin be another service like today ever again. And I'm asking God right now in this special service that you've ordained to speak to us. I ask for you to anoint me to give me the words that you'd have us spoken today. And we'll give you the praise and the glory in Jesus' name that the church say. You can be seated. Hallelujah. I want to preach to you for the next few minutes of time on a subject titled, There Are Survivors in the House. Oh, hallelujah. You didn't get a hold of it or you'd be clapping your hands right now praising God. I want to preach to you today that there are survivors in the house. Does anybody feel like a survivor here today? Well, glory! There are survivors in the house. Woo, hallelujah. And God gave me a word to talk to you survivors. Now, there's really only one alternative. You're the survivor or you didn't make it. Hello, somebody. Glory to God. I mean, the, 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 the only alternative is if you're not a survivor, then you're one of those that didn't make it. There can't, there can't be nothing else. But I thank God today that there's some survivors around here. Glory! Oh, I feel the Holy Ghost already. Brother Sean, we got some survivors around here. Glory to God. We got some people around here like that Energizer Bunny. Hallelujah. We've got some people around here like Timex. Glory to God. We've taken a licking, but we still keep on ticking. Hallelujah. Glory. God gave me a word to give to survivors. If you ain't a survivor, it don't matter how many <laughs> with you anyway. Hallelujah. Glory. The passage of Scripture that I just got through reading I placed in your hearing today is a selection that I've chosen from the English Standard Version. I told you I was reading from a little bit different translation simply for the reason of one word in the text translated survivor. Now, the King James Version does not clarify as much the intended meaning by using the phrase, whoever remains. I want you to put that scripture back up for me, Brother Sean, if you would, uh, the fourth verse there. Now, I'm not telling you there's not, that there's something wrong with the Word of God up here in King James. It, says, it was written, but, but it don't clarify in the reader's mind exactly what he's meaning because it says, and whosoever remaineth in any place. Now, he talks about people who remain, but when you understand the Scripture and you go back what he was talking, he was speaking to survivors. Those people who had remained were survivors. Hallelujah. 
Those who have survived the long ordeal as being captives in Babylon are the subject of the text here in this first chapter of Ezra. Ezra has to do with the rebuilding of Jerusalem and the rebuilding of God's house right along with Nehemiah. And Ezra was writing to to a group of people, to those who had remained or those who had survived everything that the devil had thrown at them. When the dust cleared, they were still standing Kind of reminds me of old glory when Sir Francis Scott Key, hallelujah, in the wee hours of the morning, after the British had bombed and bombed and barbated them all night long, hallelujah, as the sun began to come, he still saw old glory wagon. Oh, say, can you see by the dawn's early light? It survived. It survived. And there's America today because it survived. So Ezra is writing here to a group of people, men and women, who were survivors. Let me give you a little bit of brief history for those of you who might not understand, uh, 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 know the whole story here. The nation of Israel had been in exile for 70 long years. Jerusalem had been ransacked and her temple destroyed by the invading hordes from Babylon. Many people had died as captives and as slaves in a foreign land while they dreamed of what used to be back in their native land far away. But the purpose, look at your neighbor and say the purpose. The purpose of God had never diminished. His plan and his timeline was well intact. All that was needed for the destiny of a troubled people to be fulfilled was for a group of survivors, oh, hallelujah, who had the wind knocked out of them to begin to stand on their feet with a little help from their friends, go forth to reclaim their birthright and revive a comatose nation while bringing the glory back to Jehovah God, their creator. I ask the question again, are there any survivors in the house? Hang on, almost. Hallelujah. Paul, if the Holy Ghost hits me and I take off running out that door, you're going to get up here and take this sermon. Go with it. Hallelujah. I know what it is to have the wind knocked out of you. Naturally, in other ways, I remember as a child, we was out at Shelby Park. My family was uh, right there as you went out off of Shelby Street and go down into the park right before you come there to the, the little lake. There was a, always been, I think it still is, been a lot, you've been years since I've been over there, a little 
kind of a play area for children. And they had a big, tall, one of them old-fashioned, had to be old-fashioned if I was a child, hallelujah. Because I, I was only about five, six years old. I climbed up and don't know uh, how or, or, or why or what have you, but instead of going down the slide, I fell, and I just smacked the ground from way up there. It was about, I'd say at least, uh, I don't know, six and a half or seven foot tall. I just slapped the ground just like that. Now, I, did, I, I didn't have a stomach like, back then like I got today. If it did, I would have bounced up and everything been all right. Uh, but I, I smacked that ground. And when I did, it knocked all the wind out of me. The fall didn't hurt me at all. But, man, I was laying on the ground. I was gasping for all I could. I could not get a hold of my breath. And uh, my parents gathered around. Different one came around. And, they, you know, just look at And uh, uh, my, my mom about ready to have a heart attack and everything. I was, I, 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 I was not injured with any kind of broken bones or, or nothing like that. But I had the wind not completely out of me. And it took, seemed like for me now, uh, back then, uh, to be an eternity to where finally I would gradually begin to be able to, to get some wind back in me and begin to be able to breathe again normally. Because as long as I had all that wind and air not completely out of me, there was, there was no functioning. There was no way I could function. There was no way I could get up off that ground. There was no way I could do anything as long as I was laying there with the wind knocked out of me. And I'm preaching to some people here today. You know exactly what it is to have the wind knocked out of you. It's one thing to have it knocked out of you that way. It's another way to have your have the wind knocked out of you by an enemy. But you know what? That gives some some added hurt to it. Sometimes we have the wind knocked out of us by those who are supposed to be our friends. Hello, somebody. That hurts worse. When you have the wind knocked out of you by maybe a family member. That uh, that just gives extra hurt to it. Hallelujah. And the Jewish people had had the wind knocked out of them. Babylon, Nebuchadnezzar, under King Nebuchadnezzar, come in 70 years earlier before Ezra wrote this. Destroyed the city, ransacked it, tore down their temple. And then they put them all in stocks and chains and led them off to Babylon. And they was captive and slaves in a foreign land for 70 years. But I want you to know the purpose of God never diminished. His plan and timeline never fails. God's timeline always is right. It's my time and your time that we don't get right. Hallelujah. And now I could ask five people here today, what time it is, and all five people can look at their watch a lot of times, and you could give me a different time. All varied within a half a minute, a minute, or two minutes, or whatever. Hallelujah. 
But there is, there is a, a, a legal time that, that we follow and that we go by. And that time supersedes my, my watch, your watch, and anybody else's watch. Hallelujah. It's kind of like back when I used to work in a factory. And I come in, and the boss comes and says, you're five minutes late. And I look to and I say, well, not by my watch. He says, your watch don't matter. What that time clock says won't matter. That's what we're going by. And I'm here to tell you today that it's not my time limit, Brother Travis. It's not your time limit. It's God's time limit that's in charge. He's the one we're going by. Hallelujah. He's the one that we are following. Hallelujah. Satan today has unleashed an all-out assault on nations, on families, and even on individuals, and also on churches, to destroy the blessings of God in our lives and to hold us like captives and slaves to his every desire and whim. Hallelujah. Everybody talks about war and Afghanistan and Iraq and everywhere else. But I'm going to tell you what the greatest war that you and I both need to be concerned with. It's not about this earthly stuff because it ain't going to matter if you're in the church. Because if you're in the church, we're going to leave here and we're going to let them all. And when we go, gone, we're going to be able to look down and they're going to have that final, that Armageddon is going to blow them all up. But we're going to be up there when Armageddon hits. We ain't going to be down here when Armageddon hits. Hallelujah. The war that we need to be concerned about is the one that the devil has unleashed and brought an all-out assault on families, individual homes, nations, and churches to try to destroy the blessings of God and to hold us captives. Many people have died in the midst of the struggle. Just like back then, by the time Ezra wrote this, he talked to those who remained or those who were the survivors because everybody didn't survive that 70 years captivity. Everybody didn't survive it. Hallelujah. Many people have died in the midst of the struggle, not having enough strength to hold on and fight. But praise the Lord. God has got an army of survivors across this land who are beginning to stand up and shake the dust off and say, Devil, I believe I'll die another day. Some of you have heard that before. Hallelujah. I hear a lot of people barring my sermons. I'm going to borrow a short one from somebody else. Hallelujah. Well, I said God's got some survivors who are beginning to stand up and shake off the dust and look the devil straight eyeball in the face and say, Devil, I believe I'll die another day. Hallelujah. Glory to God. I'm not quite ready to roll over yet. Somebody needs to tell the devil that right now. You need to tell the devil you you might die one day, but it ain't going to be today. You're a survivor. 
you've been knocked down, and the wind's been knocked out of you more times than you can imagine. It's happened so many times that the devil's sitting on your shoulder and whispering in your ear, saying, why you keep trying? Because people's tired of fooling with you. People don't think you're ever going to do it. You ain't going to never make it. Hallelujah. But I hear God saying, it's not how many times you fall down, sister, but it's how many times you get, get, get up and counts. Glory to God. Hallelujah. Nobody ever failed nothing who keeps getting up. Sister saying, devil, I think I'll die another day. I'm not quite ready to roll over yet. Glory to God. Hallelujah. I feel the Holy Ghost in the place. Hallelujah. And it is to these survivors that I want to offer you two necessary elements which can lead you to victory. I know we got some survivors around here. I know we got some folks that's been through some struggles. Now I can look around. And in my mind, hallelujah, with the, my heart breaking, I know some folks that haven't survived the onslaught of the enemy. I know some folks that kept laying on the ground when the devil knocked the wind out of them. If you don't struggle to get the breath back in you, eventually you'll die. Hallelujah. But we're around here today. It's not that we have never messed up. It's not that we ain't never taken a wrong turn. It's not that we haven't never been knocked down. But praise God by God's grace. Look at your neighbor and say, by God's grace, we're still surviving. Well, I said by God's grace. By the grace of God, we're still surviving, brother. Glory to God, the smoke is clear and we're still standing. Glory. Hallelujah. But the story don't stop there. If you're surviving, then it's for a reason. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. It's not done, sis. Hallelujah. See, God, God wouldn't let you die. Hallelujah. Your heavenly Father was looking down on you the day, hour, night, or year, or whatever it was, that the enemy knocked the wind out of you. And your Father was looking and seeing you laying there. And he knew that if you didn't stir, you didn't get up, you would lay there and finally die. But I'm here to tell you today, church, if you're surviving, it's not because you're surviving by your power, but it's by his power. Because when your father in heaven looked and saw you go down, he dispatched some paramedics. 
Hallelujah. Michael hollered over there to Gabriel. Jump in that ambulance, boy. Hallelujah. And they put her in gear. And here we took, Lord of God. And Michael's driving that ambulance. And he looked over at Gable. Said, there's some demons standing in the road. Ring that siren. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Get out of our way. That's a child of God laying in the dirt. God's got some angels coming to the rescue. Michael and Gable pulled that that, that, uh, ambulance up by your side, hit the brakes, got out. Michael looked over at Gable and said, Get me those paddles, boy. Now, now the devil said, uh, said uh-huh. I'm coming with the paddles for you. But that, uh, that don't mean they're the kind of paddles that my daddy used to give me. Hey, what, a, hey, what kind of paddles? God, God is not interested in, in putting anybody through any more pain than what the devil's already put him through. He didn't dispatch those angels. Amen. Just stick their finger in your face and say, I told you this is going to happen. Hallelujah. I mean, there might be a crazy teenager driving a motorcycle down the road without a helmet on. And they're taught by the police, by the parents. And everybody else, you need to have a helmet on. Because even though you've got a thick skull, it still can break. And if it, if it, and sometimes it ain't teenagers, sometimes it's grown adults that act worse than kids. Hallelujah. Out there riding around like an idiot on a motorcycle without a helmet on. Because why they do that? Because they got too much confidence in self. Get me on that Harley. I'm the man. I'm the man. God said, "Yeah, we'll see how much of a man you are." Hallelujah. Anyway, that person crashes and hits that head. I drove upon an accident one time of a motorcycle. About a sixteen or seven year old kid laying in the middle of the road. And his head laying in a whole big puddle of blood. A sight that I never will forget as long as I live. Here comes here comes the paramedics. When they jump out, they don't start pointing their finger in the, on that comatose victim down there saying, You should have had a helmet on. You should have had a helmet on. But they get those paddles. Get them ready. Somebody said a while ago, clear! If you're a survivor here today, it's because of God dispatched the paramedics to your side that shocked you back in. Hallelujah! They didn't take the time to point their finger at your face and say, you shouldn't have done that, boy, or you shouldn't have done that, girl. They was concerned over one thing, saving your life.
Brother Darrell, God spoke to me in prayer. He said, in time past, you've been like a lot of other of my ministers. Because when folks got out of the church and they tried to come in, to try to revive themselves, to try to get back in, you and a lot of other church folks stand at the door, pointing your finger, say, see, didn't I tell you so? I told you he was going to do that. Folks, the church, we don't need to be standing around pointing our fingers at people who's trying to get back with God. We don't need to be pointing our fingers at those who have been injured. Yeah, they might be laying there because of their own mistake and their own mess up, but they ain't a man or woman in here hadn't made a mistake. They ain't a man or woman in here hadn't messed up. right here. What we need to be doing when they come in, we need to have those spiritual paddles ready. Man, we can hallelujah, clear, put it to it, hallelujah. Oh, hallelujah. Hallelujah. Glory. So, we're here survivors. But you're not a survivor for no reason. You're surviving because God's still got a purpose and plan for your life. Ezra told those who remained, those who survived, says, look, you need to get some help. You need to get some assistance from those around you and friends. Whatever it takes, you get back upon your feet. Some of your brothers and sisters and friends didn't survive this 70 years. They're dead. They're gone. But God has blessed you that you're surviving. And the reason why you're surviving is that you're part of the people that God is sending home to rebuild the temple. You're part of the people that God's got you ordained to survive. Glory to God that you can build something to His name. So we're survivor for reason, for purpose. And there are two elements that we we got to have if we're going to be able to get a hold of what God calls us all to survive for. And that's what those two things I'm going to tell you, and then I'm going to close. The first thing you got to have to be able to revive things in your life and to be able to latch a hold of a dream that God one time gave you that you think is out of your reach now. And that one, one element that you've got to have is desire. Did you hear me? If you're going to achieve that dream, if you're going to reach that purpose that God has ordained and destined you, you got to have a desire. Sister Darlene sings a song, It's My Desire. You've got to have desire. When Satan interrupts your progress, it's your desire to overcome which will get you moving again. Did you hear what I said? When the devil steps in front of you 
and interrupts your progress, it's going to take the desire in your heart to help you to rise up and overcome and get moving again. It's got to come from the desire of your heart. When a person loses the want to because they are too tired from the struggle, they will fall off into unconcern and begin to live with a what's-the-use kind of attitude. Hello, somebody. You know pastor's preaching right now. Hallelujah. If you don't maintain a desire in your heart and soul, pretty soon the devil will take the want to away from you. Sometimes we lose the want to because we just get too tired. You say, I'm, I'm just too tired of fighting it. I'm too, far to, too, too tired of trying to battle this. And what it is, is the devil's stealing your desire because you, you're losing the want to. The want to come to the house of God. The want to praise Him. The want to to serve Him. The want to to live for Him. Hallelujah. And before you know it, you got the what's the use attitude. Believe this pastor. Believe me. When you get to to that state, you are right where the enemy wants you. All he has to do is to wait for you to stop breathing because you will, because you will, uh, uh, your will to go on has died. If you get to the place that you've lost your want to, and you're beginning to say, "What's the use?" Then you are right there where the devil wants you to be, and he don't he don't attack you no more. He 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 don't afflict you no more. Hallelujah! Come here, Paul. Here, just just lay across that bench right there. Hallelujah! Now I, I, I'm I'm the enemy. I'm 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 the old devil right now. Don't, Sister Darling, don't you say Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother, I got him where I want him right now. Hallelujah. I've attacked you that's got you down where you're at. You've been fighting me, coming up against me for a long time, and you've just gotten tired. You're just thinking in your mind, what's the use? What's the use of me even trying? Why should I even get up to spend the energy to go to God's house today? Why? Why? What's the use? When you're laying there like that, when you're laying there like that, and you got over there, then the devil, he don't, he don't have to do anything. All he does is just lean up against a tree over here. What's he doing? He'll look at once while I see if he, is he still breathing. He's just waiting for you to die. Hallelujah. I done killed your desire. I done stole your desire. Hallelujah. That's one of the greatest things the devil can take from anybody is their desire. Thank you, brother. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Hallelujah. So he just sits back, 
looks over you every once in a while just to see if your chest is still rising and falling. He's just waiting for you to die. That's all he has to do. Never allow your desire to recover to die. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil... The devil may have taken everything else from you, but don't let him take your desire. Many people die in a sick state a whole lot, not as much from the disease they have, but from the will to go on. I'm going to say that dreaded word that nobody likes to hear, cancer. Everybody looks at that as big and bad and being so so terrible. But I'm here to tell you right now, and I believe I, got, I, I believe I have some physicians and doctors who will back me up on what I'm fixing to say. But that word, cancer, has killed a whole lot less people than what their loss of desire has done. Because when somebody hears that word from the doctor, then deep down inside they give up, they quit fighting, and they ain't a doctor on earth or nobody can do anything for them because they quit fighting. And that has killed more people than the disease. And that's a fact. Hallelujah. Don't let the devil take your desire. Because the very fact that you're sitting here listening to this preacher this morning proves that you're a survivor. Hallelujah. You, you, you survive some stuff. Hallelujah. You've come through some hell that the devil's put you through, but you're still here. Glory to God. Hallelujah. You're surviving, brother, when every demon in hell gave up on you a long time ago. So, man, we... But see, this God, hallelujah, never gives up on nobody. Hallelujah. That's how come we got some survivors. I've got to... i got to hurry on. One more element. We've got to have desire. And, and there's a scripture in Psalms 27 and 4. He can't put this up, I don't think. But Psalms 27 and 4 says, One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in His temple. You've got to keep your desire. The second element that you've got to have is determination. Desire on one hand, determination on the other hand. Now, many people who have had desire but still failed to gain back whatever they had lost from the enemy lost out because of the lack of determination. Hallelujah. Just because your desire is strong doesn't mean that your enemy will easily succumb and let you walk out of Babylon to head back home. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Just because you got a desire to leave Babylon and leave those chains behind, that just because you got that desire, that desire alone will not allow you to overcome the enemy because he's, he ain't going to walk away from you just because you got a desire to do better. Hallelujah. But along with your desire, you've got to possess some determination. 
you got to have what my grandmother used to say. Son, get some gumption about you. Now, that would take a translation for some of you younger folks. Hallelujah. But back in, back in the day, I heard that a lot. You Man, you, you got to get some gumption. Hallelujah. I don't know if you can find that in Webster's Dictionary or not. I'm not sure. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You're going you're gonna to have to have some determination inside you. Hallelujah. You can't, go, you can't go whippy and act like a wet noodle every time the devil flips you on the ear. Glory. You've got to have desire in one hand, but in the other you've got to have determination. Hallelujah. You must have determination flowing like blood in your very being in order to overcome the uphill battle that you're going to face in regaining your God-given dream. Believe me, folks, it will be an uphill battle. There's nothing easy in this thing, but I'm going to tell you what. Nothing in this world worth having is ever easy to achieve. Hallelujah. There's some folks in this world today that's achieving some things because other people in the past, they had some determination. They had some gumption. And for some of them even took their lives. Hallelujah. But they they kept on struggling until they got to the top of the mountain and they could look over into the promised land. Hallelujah. Amen. That's what this pastor's talking about today. You've got to have that same kind of fortitude about you. In the book of Daniel, the first chapter and the eighth verse is the last scripture I'm going to take you to. Daniel 8 and 1. Daniel 1 and 8. Excuse me. Hallelujah. Praise God. Now, everybody talks about Daniel and the lion's den, three Hebrew children. Now, Daniel was one of those captives that was led away to Babylon. Daniel was one of those survivors that we've been preaching about for the last... 35 minutes. Hallelujah. He was one of those. He was alive when the Babylons and Nebuchadnezzar came and destroyed the city and the temple. And he was one of those that was carried captive. They, uh, they made him a eunuch they, uh, and, and put him into, uh, uh, and, and, as a servant there in the, king's, in the king's court. But he survived. You know why he survived? Daniel purposed in his heart that he would not defile himself with a portion of the king's meat. Let me paraphrase that and let me read that to you from uh, the English version, standard version. Daniel determined in his heart... Did you get that? Daniel determined in his heart that he would not defile. When did this happen? This happened right up front when he first got to Babylon. He was just a teenager then. And they said, look here, you're going to be, you're going to be one of the eunuchs here in this king's court. And uh, we, we got, we're going to start teaching you the language of the Babylonians. We're going to, you got to get all this. You're going to start eating from the king's table. But the problem was, what the king ate, 
was defiled food. The king, what he ate and what Jews ate were two different things. And while he was still a very young man, long before he survived all the battles, the, the lion's den, and, and all these other things down through those long 70 years, at the very beginning, Daniel purposed in his heart. Daniel determined that he wasn't going to defile himself. Just plain everyday language, folks, you've got to make your mind up. What else can I say? It's great you got desire. You got to have desire. Nobody without desire can ever achieve nothing. But along with that desire, you got to have the determination. I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna give an illustration, Brother Darrell. I want you to be re- ready for the course. Or we're gonna be singing a course here just in a second. Desire. Determination. I'm, I'm, I'm going to use my own self as an example right now. I got, I got a desire to to lose lose some weight and maybe get at least halfway back like I used to be a long time ago. I do. In my heart, got that desire. I'd like to see that. But you can look at me and say his, his determination is not too good right now. Because if my determination was as strong as my desire, all that uh, fat back and homemade biscuits and gravy that I make all the time and all that, huh? Hello, somebody. If my determination was stronger, I would push away from it, say, and I'd say, give me some lettuce and, and some low-fat dressing. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. Anybody here hear what I'm saying? We're, just, we're survivors here today. But the survivors, we're survivors because God wants to get us back where we're supposed to be. God's people don't belong in Babylon. God's people don't belong as captives, as slaves. Hallelujah. So you've survived so he can lead us back to where God wants us to be. But for us to do that... We got to have a handful of desire and a handful of determination. And with our desire and our determination and His grace and Holy Ghost to empower us, we can make it to the top of the hill. Hallelujah. And when you get to the top of the hill, you can look back at the devil and you can say, Nah, 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 nah. I'm a survivor. Let's stand together. Glory to God. We're going to sing a chorus. Anybody needs to talk to the Lord today, we're going to open up these altars and give you an opportunity. You might be able to relate to something that I said today.
Maybe you can realize that you are a survivor, that you've gone through a lot of struggles, a lot of battles. You survive. I want you to know you survive for a reason. Maybe you need just to come down and pray just for a few minutes and say, Lord, give me a handful of desire and a handful of determination so I can go where you're directing me to go. Brother Darrell. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound. 